or they perform the yajna, etc., in their own way. As I said, this description is given for us to uh, try to understand our own tendencies and identify where we find rajas and tamas and deliberately cultivate the sattva. Yesterday we discussed the, the three kinds of foods, meaning that the, the foods that are naturally liked by people with different dispositions, how people with sattvic disposition like some kind of food, which is basically calming to the mind, how people with the disposition of rajas like the food that stimulates the mind, and people with predominance of tamas eat food which makes the mind dull. This was told so that if you have value for a mind which is calm, then we avoid the food which are categorized as rajas and tamas. Now continuing with the verse 12, uh, verse 11 rather, Lord Krishna talks about the three kinds of yajna. Yajna, as we said, in the Vedic times, Every family was supposed to perform the sacrificial fire ritual. Basically it was a ritual for worshipping gods because worshipping gods must be a, a daily uh, act, a duty that is performed. It is performed or is prescribed as, I mean prescribed to perform as a duty. Worshipping gods, as we have said a number of times, because we are indebted to the gods. Indebted to Ishwara, worshipping gods are nothing but the different expressions of the same Ishwara. Ishwara alone as sun illumines the world, as earth supports everybody, as air sustains the life of everyone, as water again sustains the life. These are all the manifestation of Ishwara, they are all looked upon as Devatas by us. And worshipping Ishwara is worshipping this Devata, meaning that when you worship different Devatas, in fact, you are worshipping Ishwara. <coughs> Therefore, a daily worship of Devatas was prescribed. Here, therefore, we find a description of Yajna. 
those days in the Vedic times, the way of worshipping devatas was with the help of fire. You kindle the fire on the altar, invoke the devatas and make offerings to them with recital of mantras. This was the process. Now it is changed. Now we are not doing that much every day. But we are doing our own kind of rituals now where we invoke the devata, if not in fire, invoke the devata in an image. And there again we make different kinds of offerings to the devata. Therefore the spirit is the same. The form of worshipping devatas has changed since then. But the spirit that every day there must be a worship in our life is the same. In fact, the Vedas prescribe that everybody should have this kind of worship for the whole life. Because for the whole life, we are receiving the benefits of what all the devatas or gods or the forces of nature are doing. Never, it is only proper that we return the favor. <coughs> this Vedas teaches what we call a harmony with the rest of the universe. It is a very ecologically sensitive uh, culture wherein it is recognized that human being is a member of the whole universe. Meaning what a human being does influences the rest of the universe and what the universe does influences him. And therefore through our actions we should create such influences which are conducive for maintaining the harmony that we should not disturb the harmony. On the other hand, we should perform such actions which are conducive to maintaining the harmony. Then we can enjoy harmony with the world around. There is harmony without and harmony within. This is the basic principle. Lord Krishna taught this in the third chapter of Gita. Devan bhavayatanena te devaha bhavayantuha So, in third chapter, Lord Krishna says that when the Creator created human beings, then this special instruction was also given. Along with the human beings was created yajna, the spirit of self-offering. And the Creator told human beings, that all human beings, may you entertain the spirit of self-offering, which will bring you the material prosperity as well as the spiritual prosperity. This Vedas teaches a life of duty, which is the life of offering myself in recognition of the fact that I am the recipient of the, I am the beneficiary of what the rest of the universe does and therefore I should also return the favor. <coughs> And that is why every day these rituals are prescribed. Now how are these rituals perform? A yajna or a sacrifice, fire sacrifice for example, how is it performed by people with different dispositions? What kind of attitude they have? The disposition for mind will determine our attitude. So first in the verse number 11, we are told how a sattvic person performs the yajna. Sattvic person performs is the ritual of, I mean, worship, worship ritual. 
अफलाकांक्षिभ्य विधिदृष्टो यष्टे वेति मन समाधाय सात्विक सह सात्विक दिस इज अ पर्सन एंजॉइंग द सात्विक डिस्पोजिशन ऑफ माइंड मीनिंग दैट द सात्विक टेंडेंसीज आर प्रोमिनेंट इवन वेन ए पर्सन इज सात्विक दैर इज सम राजस एंड तमस देर बट दिस सत्वा प्रिडोमिनाइज वॉट सत्वा डस सत्वा मीन्स वेन द माइंड इज खाम एंड ट्रैंक्विल माइंड एंजॉयज ए खामनेस ट्रैंक्विलिटी प्योरिटी क्लैरिटी what that does is it creates an internal satisfaction it creates a satisfaction or contentment with my own self there is a sense of self sufficiency and when i find myself happy with myself then my craving for securing happiness from other sources is much less and therefore a person with this disposition is more likely to share with others offer himself with other offer himself to others because he feels happy with himself this spirit of self offering comes when a person feels happy or rich within one's own self we will see that during the discussion of the dana ma charity but basically when you feel good about yourself then you are a generous person then you always reach out then you are not so much a grabber but you are a giver you are not a consumer but you are a contributor therefore a person enjoying satvik disposition is a contributor and usually whatever that person does is done in a spirit of contribution out of pleasure therefore yastavyam evaiti manas samadhaya this person has a, a a conviction in his mind yastavyam that i should perform this yaga i should perform this ritual whether ritual is a fire ritual or ritual is of any worship what is described here with reference to yagna or fire ritual is applicable to any form of worship that we perform and of course worship for worship a certain ritual or a certain form is given to us in worship there is a form and there is a spirit so what is important of course is spirit however that spirit of worship is expressed in a certain form therefore these rituals are given to us to channelize our spirit of worship and to express it properly <clears throat> so in the person enjoying the satvik disposition the the thought that occurs is i should perform this ritual i should perform this act of worship because i am told to do so this person has also a shraddha or the trust in the scriptures that what the scriptures it is vedas tell me is meant for my own well being it is just a disposition it's not that you can force yourself to Uh, to believe that 
It is just that the mind of this person is such that when he is being told by people who are respectable, people who are venerable and the scriptures, then somehow his mind says, yes, this is right. And thus his mind has a trust that what the scriptures are prescribing as the daily duties is meant for my own growth. And therefore, when he performs a fire ritual, which as I said, in the Vedic times, everyone was supposed to perform this worship every day. Yastabhyam evan. I should do this. This is my duty. It, that is a conviction that arises in his mind. <clears throat> and therefore, he performs this ritual or this form of worship out of his own pleasure. Aphala kang shivi. Therefore, he does not seek any reward as a result of performing that ritual. A sattvic person does not seek a reward because he does not need a reward. When you feel good inside, then you don't need somebody else to make you happy. We will see next, a person having rajas as predominant wants the world to make him happy because he is not happy inside. When you are happy within yourself, content within yourself then, you don't have that need that the world has to make you happy. Therefore, when he performs his ritual, he does not ask for any personal reward, that I should reward it as a result of performing this ritual, that I should have some kind of material reward, or some kind of egoistic reward, he doesn't seek that reward. Also, as I said, the person has a basic faith, and therefore, Whatever procedure is prescribed, vidhi, vidhi is the procedure. So performing rituals also has to be done in a certain way. And you worship different devatas in different ways. If you want to, if you worship Lord Shiva, there is a certain form that is prescribed, certain method. If you worship Lord Vishnu, there will be some variations. If you worship Mother Goddess, there will be some variations. Because See, what is offered to different devatas is different and the way of offering can be different. You recite different mantras, you make offering different materials. Just as when you want to please your father, you do it in one way, please your mother, do it in another way because mother likes certain things and father likes some different things. They wear different kinds of clothes, sometimes they have different taste in food and so forth. So also gods like that, you know, and so Lord Narayana has some kind of taste or liking, and Lord Shiva has other kinds of likings, and Ganapati may have different kinds of likings, and if you want to worship them, you want to please them, therefore you offer what it is they like. And if you really want to please somebody, then you will make sure that you do what they like. So a person, sattvic person wants to make God happy. By his offering. Therefore, he will make sure that he offers whatever it is that is like or that is prescribed. So, vidhi drishtaha. So, whatever vidhi, whatever these stipulated procedure is there, accordingly he performs the homa. So, these are the characteristics. A sattvic person, first of all, 
feels within himself or herself that I should do this. Secondly, by so doing, I do not demand any personal reward because doing itself gives a satisfaction. If doing something itself can give a satisfaction, then the reward doesn't remain important because doing itself is a reward. And he is happy to do it, therefore he follows whatever stipulated or prescribed procedure, he enjoys that. So sattvic person enjoys what he or she does. And therefore, very carefully and meticulously the person will do what all needs to be done. Doesn't feel that this is, I am in some way forced to do it. But then meticulously the person does because enjoys doing that. <coughs> so you see some people enjoying what they do. You go to their homes or whatever it is at the place, you can see everything very neat and clean. I mean this is how they like things and they enjoy it. So this is the sattvic person. Saha sattvikaha. So three things we are told here. Number one, that the person on his own initiative wants to do something. Number two, while doing that does not demand any personal reward because enjoys the very doing. And thirdly, whatever that person does, does meticulously follow the stipulations without any resistance but happily follow the stipulations. This is the sattvic person. Then now we come to person with rajas as predominant. Abhisandhayatu phalam dambhasam apichaivayate ijyate bharata shreshtha Tam yajnyam vidhi rajasam. So a sattvic person, even if he expects something, suppose through performance of any action, he, he always prays for his antahagana shuddhi or purity of mind. He prays for his spiritual growth. He prays, good Lord, please give me devotion. Please give me shraddha, bhakti, purity of mind. That's what that person asks for, in case he asks for something. Whereas the person with rajas in predominant, abhisandhayatu phalam, this person keeps in mind the reward that this action will bring. He also performs the ritual. He also follows the stipulation. Why does he follow stipulation? Because he knows that only if you follow stipulation that he will gain the result, otherwise not. The earlier person follows stipulation because he knows that that is the best to please the Devata. This person follows stipulation because he knows that that is the only way I can get the results. If I do not follow stipulation, the desired result will not come. So Rajas follow, person also follows stipulation, but abhisandhayatu phalam, keeping phalam, keeping personal reward in mind. Either I will get some material reward in terms of prosperity or name, fame in this world, or if he is a believer in heavens, etc., then he will say, okay, through performance of this, I will go to heavens. But then, see, when you perform an action, what is it that the mind is thinking about? When the reward is very important, then the mind thinks of the reward, even when you are performing action. 
then it is likely that the quality of action is compromised. Whereas if action is important to you, then while performing action, you only focus upon action because reward is of no great consequence to you. Therefore the quality of action also would be better. But Abhisandhaya Phalam, this person who is only, is only dwelling upon the result or the reward that this action will bring. Dambhartham Even if it, if it doesn't want reward, then also Dambhartham. It is to proclaim his own religiosity, to make a show. Dambha means make a show of one's own religiosity. So he will organize sometimes very big rituals and festivals just to declare to the world how religious I am. So these are the things that, these are the kind of attitude that a person in predominance and rajas has. When there is rajas, person feels uncomfortable with one's own self, not happy within himself. He, exp- he therefore wants the world to make him happy. That is why he performs his ritual either so that he will get something desirable as a result of performing ritual so he can be happy or to satisfy his ego he performs the ritual to make a declaration of the whole world is mainly a show business he doesn't particularly care for worshipping but he cares because the world will praise him. So these are the two things that are being told here about when a person with rajas as predominant, when that person performs rituals and festivals and things like that, then either he wants a personal reward and or both. He wants a personal reward and declare to the world the, uh, his religiosity announced to the world, one and or the other. Here Arjuna understand that this is yajna that is performed as a result of the rajoguna. <coughs> now comes the yajna performed by a person with tamas as predominant. That person with tamas has, has no initiative. He is not evolved enough even to desire things sometimes. And so, he is very dull. He is, uh, he doesn't even care to go to heavens and things. He doesn't want it. You have to actually, you have to push the person and create fear in the person to make the person do something. A person with rajas will do something when you tempt him with a reward. A person with sattva will do something because he enjoys doing it. Person with rajas will do something when you show him the reward. Person with tamas will do something when you only create fear. This is how three kinds of people are there. And therefore the management employs all these kinds of methods, you know, to make people do things. <coughs> it's a matter of understanding the disposition of other person applying an appropriate method. But we know that in the world also a lot of incentives are given. In the, you know, in the olden days, the incentive business started. That if you, per, beyond 100, for every piece that you produce, you get one dollar more, and then for uh, beyond 125, you get two dollars more, and then make the person do. So, Rajas, he'll do more and more, because he'll get more and more. 
So a person who arises will not do something unless there is something to gain from that. He will say, what is there in it for me? That's the first question. If I am to gain something, I'll do it, not otherwise. Tamas says, I don't want anything. He won't do anything. Oh, but look, if you do this, you'll get such reward. That, that doesn't somehow motivate. There's no motivation at all. That person has to be, as I said, you have to create fear in that person. If you don't do this, this is a punishment. As when we were small, we were told, you know, if you don't go to school, look, this, see this man who is pulling the cart, that's what you will have to do. <laughs> I don't do that, then go to school. So different children are treated differently. <clears throat> so how does a person with tamas, how does that person perform the ritual? That's what we are told in the thirteenth verse. Vidhi namasrashtanam Mantrahi namadakshinam Shraddha virahitam yajnam Tamasam parichakshade so when a sattvic person looks upon scriptures and injunction as something meant for his own well-being, a person with rajas wants to see how I can best use them. A person with tamas resists, he doesn't like this, he doesn't want, and still he has to do that. Therefore you find, you can see the quality of his work. From quality of the work itself you can say whether a person is sattvic, Rajas or Tamas. When this fellow performs his yajna or ritual, vidhinam, contrary to injunctions, he is being told to do some way, he just does whatever he wants and very often contrary to injunctions. He doesn't follow injunctions, doesn't follow stipulations or violates the stipulation. Because his nature is like that. His nature is violent. He resists. Any kind of instruction he resists, any kind of discipline he resists, any, you know, and therefore, he's, if he's made to do this, he'll do it without, you know, not follow any stipulations or contrary to stipulations. Asrashtanam, when you perform this yajna, then you must feed people, you must distribute food, you must feed the Brahmins and other people, he doesn't do that. Asrashtanam, mantrahinam, when you recite the mantras, you may recite them with proper intonations, because then alone it is said that the Vedic mantras should be recited with proper intonations. Then alone they will be effective. In fact, the story is being told as to how you recite a mantra with wrong intonation, it can bring about a wrong result. There was this uh, Tvashta and uh, he wanted a son. Because Indra was his enemy, he wanted a son who will kill Indra. Therefore he performed a yaga. There, Indra Shatruhu, Indra Shatru means what? The Shatru or any of the Indra. Vivardhatam, Indra Shatru, Vivardhatam, may the enemy of Indra prosper. This is how the the, the offerings were made. The idea is that as a result performed that, that ceremony, they expected the birth of a son who will be destroyer of Indra. 
Such things also were done, by the way, you know. And so we find this kind of uh, yajna is also possible and being performed. But unfortunately, Indra Shatru, in Sanskrit, this word Indra Shatru is a samasa and can be resolved in two ways. Either Shashti Tatpurusha, Indrasya Shatruhu, the one who is the destroyer of Indra, or Indraha Shatru Yasyasaha, Indra is a destroyer of him. Both ways, depending on where the emphasis is. And so if emphasis on the Shatru, then it becomes the destroyer of Indra. If emphasis on the first word, then it becomes, Indra becomes destroyer of that fellow. And this mantra was recited while making up, but it was recited wrongly. As a result, that ceremony gave birth to a son who was destroyed by Indra rather than his destroying Indra. This is a story being told to show how proper intonations are so important. Anyway, I don't create fear in anybody, but all I'm saying is that the important thing is this person with Tamas, he doesn't care. It's one thing that you do not know certain thing, and therefore inadvertently perhaps you recite things wrongly. This fellow doesn't care to recite it correctly, he doesn't want he doesn't care to even learn it properly. So mantrahinam, mantras either are not there. If they are there, they are recited without proper intonations. Adakshinam, Dakshina, the gift must be given to the priest for what all they have done. Doesn't bother give Dakshina. Many Indian people also used to do that here. I don't know if still that practice prevails or not. But this fellow will invite a priest three hours. The priest will drive for three hours, you know, for some Satyanayan puja. Somewhere in Long Island this person lives and he invites priests from some New Jersey. That fellow priest drives three hours and for three hours again the ceremony is last year. And then he gives you eleven dollars, you know, <laughs> Dakshina. So, they are so miserly that this cannot part with anything. There is no appreciation, no value for what other person is doing. I mean, you will reward somebody appropriately if you value for what that person does. He thinks all these Brahmins, they don't, you know, they are all useless for me, you know, they don't do anything, they don't know anything, they don't deserve anything. He thinks that nobody deserves anything. Adakshinam, therefore, he does not even give them gift or does not give them proper gift. He doesn't feed them, doesn't give them, that's what you should do. When you call a Brahmana at your home to perform rituals and you should feed him properly and you should may please him with, with gifts. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't have respect for the person. As I say, he doesn't think that that is to be done. Shraddha virahitam yajnam. Because you know Shraddha, he has no faith in all this stuff. What is all this ritual? That's why Hindu religion is all nothing but rituals. There's resistance. Moment you take some trouble, you know, resistance. He likes to do things in his own way. He just wants to get... And you have to see this actually in India also. Uh, in, in South India when you go, of course, you find priests who, are, who do things very well. In North India, that is not always the case. In the temples, the priests are not properly trained. They just go, 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 go. They don't finish it off. <laughs> because there's a whole line of the, uh, the customers. And he has to deal with one by one. Nobody knows what he's deciding. He, whether he knows or not also is the question. 
And probably when we go, when our people go, those who are, who are trained here or those who know how things are done and those who themselves are reciting things, when they go and listen to Brahman, you know, so Swami, what are they doing? They used to tell us stories, you know, how Brahmins sometimes finish the wedding ceremony, they recite some poetry or something, because nobody understands anything. Because these, the people in the village, they don't know what this Brahmin, they think that whatever Brahmins are doing is all right. But so Brahmin also like that sometimes, Shraddha, because all they want, this is just a profession. And so all, they are just using it as merely uh, just getting their livelihood and they don't think that uh, they necessarily have to maintain the quality of rituals. But anyway, people with Tamaguna, because they don't have Shraddha. If you feel that the rituals have any significance, then why you follow them? If you don't feel that, you won't follow. Suppose there is certain kind of a discipline at home that you must do this, that and so forth. If you feel that that discipline has a meaning in your life, you will follow. If you think this is merely meant to control you, you will resist. So these people look upon all kind of injunctions as me, as, as this resist them. Have a Shraddha, Virahitam. There is no Shraddha. Yajnam Tamasam Parishakshate. Here, you know, people with Tamoguna will perform Yajna in this manner. So, this is the uh, three ways in which a yajna is being performed by people having dispersion of sattva, rajas and tamas. This is, as I said, Swamiji, now I know, you know, when I, I, I saw that Brahmin doing it this way, I saw this, it's not meant for judging other people, but it is meant to look at our own tendencies and see what we find in ourselves. And where we find that our tendencies need to be corrected, we do that and deliberately cultivate the sattvic tendencies. That's the threefold yajna. Yajna tapaha tathadanam. Now Lord Krishna describes the tapas or the austerities. Sattvic, rajas and tamas. However, before describing the attitude that these three people have towards austerity, First of all, Lord Krishna describes austerity at three levels. What is austerity? Austerity performed at the level of body, austerity performed at the level of speech, austerity performed at the level of mind. So we have these three aspects of our personality, the body, the speech and the mind. Therefore, first of all, Lord Krishna describes what is the bodily austerities, austerity of the speech, and austerity of mind? So, from the verse 14. Devadvijaguru-prāgnya Pujanam shauchamārjavam Brahmacharyamahim sācha Shariram tapa uchyade. This is the correct physical discipline at the physical level or austerities at the physical level. First is pujanam, worshipping. Deva, worshipping gods. Dvija, worshipping the brahmanas. Guru, 
teachers or venerable persons, prajna and the wise people or the learned people. See, in the Vedic or the Indian culture, this is a value. Reverence is a value. We revere people who enjoy a status which is higher than our status. We revere people who are older than us because age also, so that is called Vayovruddha. A person is venerable just because he is older than me. That's all. That's the only qualification. And therefore, I show respect to all my elders, my uncles, parents, grandparents, whatever, just because they are old. No other qualification is required, older than me. Second is Tapo Vruddha. When a person is better than me in austerities, the life, lives a pious life, lives a life of austerity and penance, that person also becomes venerable, whether he is older, older than me or not. Because he is venerable because there is tapas, austerities, penance, piety. Then also jnana vruddha, a person who is wiser, more knowledgeable than me, more learned than me. Thus, in the Vedic tradition, it is customary to respect or show reverence to the people who are older, who are learned, who are pious, and who are high-born, meaning that born in a, in a higher class of family. That's what Dvija means here. So, Deva, Dvija, Guru, Pragna, Poojanam, worshipping, showing respect. Worshipping means showing respect, bowing down to them, whatever the appropriate form of respect is. It may be the respect, maybe in terms of just greeting somebody with respect, folding your hands. Sometimes it may be bowing down before somebody. Sometimes maybe washing their feet, sometimes doing some whatever. And so it's basically showing the reverence. Deva, Dvija, Guru, Pragna, Poojanam. Poojanam, worshipping, showing reverence. And this reverence is shown by my physical gestures. That is why this is called the austerity at the physical level. I bow down, this is the physical level. I salute at the physical level. Or I make other offerings at the physical level. Therefore, this is included as the austerity of the body or as the physical level. Then second, the second is shaucham, cleanliness. External cleanliness also is considered as an austerity. Cleanliness is next to godliness, they say, you know. So keeping oneself clean, keeping the body clean, keeping the clothes clean, keeping one's surroundings clean, clean, neat, well organized. So more organized my surroundings are, cleaner my clothes and bodies, that shows that I am more organized mentally also, or so that is also tapasya, also an austerity. Then arjavam. Arjavam is meticulously performing what is to be done. So whatever needs to be done, doing it meticulously. That is called arjavam, straightforwardness. Straightforwardness is expressed at the physical level is doing things in a meticulous way. 
When you are cooking food, in a meticulous way. Cleaning floor, meticulous way. Doing dishes, meticulous way. Doing laundry, meticulously. You do the dishes and then all spots are remaining here and you do the clothes and also not properly washed, you clean the floor and then all kind of dust is stuck underneath. You cook the food all right and then somehow put spices and so doing things, so arjavam, doing it meticulously. So whatever duties we perform or whatever tasks we are required to perform, performing them as they are required to be performed, meticulous, this is called arjavam, straightforwardness. Brahmacharyam, self-discipline. Brahmacharya can be called celibacy, but here, self-discipline. Discipline over one's own self. Discipline, walking, talking, eating, drinking, whatever we do. Discipline in all activities. The control over one's own self or self-discipline. Ahimsacha <clears throat> and non-violence, making sure that by my action I do not hurt anybody. Meaning very alert about one's own action, so that I do not hurt anybody. While walking also, careful that some insects, they do not get crushed under my feet. Sweeping the floor, being careful that ants and other insects also are not swept along. Careful. Meaning, showing respect for the life of all the creatures. I have seen people, you know, people are so careless and so indifferent. You know, in India particularly, there are so many insects during the monsoon season. The insects see this light, they just multiply, I guess, in thousands. And when there are lights, then they just hover around and then they fall down. Very often there is a light above the wash basin or sink. And in the morning you find many are not dead, but they all fallen there. These fellows just opens this without any concern. You know, what will happen to all the insects? They will all be go to the drain. They will all die. No concern at all. He sees a whole row of ants. He just sweeps them. He doesn't care. Meaning that when we are not sensitive, we can become also cruel. How, how we can become indifferent to the life of other creatures. Just plucking a leaf, plucking a flower, pulling a plant, kicking something. All of this is violence. Stealing also is violence. And aggrandizing, meaning keeping things with us which we do not need also is violence. They would say that eating more than what I require also is violence. Because I am doing, I am unfair to my body. You know, then wasting food in my plate, filling up the plate and not eating. People have no consideration at all, they don't care. That when I waste food, then people who deserve or who are deprived, I mean I am depriving some people of what they could have. When I keep on accumulating things in my, in my wardrobe, how many pairs of clothes and how many pairs of shoes, how many... When you go to people's home, you find how many sneakers, 15 kinds of sneakers are there. So many kinds of shoes, so many kinds of stands, so many things. 
I guess it must be required. Swami, this I require while walking, this I require while running, this I require while climbing, uh, trekking, I don't know what. Very technical, I guess. But then, so much. So, parigraha. Parigraha means all holding, stocking things that I do not require. People just fill up their pantries and because it is a sale, so you go to the store and buy things. Swami, someday it will be useful, you know. Then we throw them away. Or it is a garage sale, ultimately you just dispose it off. That's okay. All I'm saying, all of this is part of ahimsa. Non-violence is a very, uh, has many dimensions. And they were wasting also is non, using the resources of nature more than necessary. Non-violence automatically involved minimum consumption at the personal level. Consumption of food, consumption of clothes, whatever I consume, minimize one's own consumption. So that I take the minimum from the store of nature and let the remaining available to those who need. As I say, like the birds and other creatures, they take from nature what they need and leave the rest for others. So that spirit should be there in our life also. So ahimsa, non-violence at physical level, will mean all. Of course, yesterday we discussed about meat and stuff like that. So that, of course, is part of non-violence. Brahmacharyam ahimsacha shariram tapauchade. This is called the austerity at the physical level. What is it? First, showing the reverence to the venerable people. Guru. Guru is... So many gurus are there, by the way. Mother also is the guru, the first guru. Mother is the first teacher, father is second teacher, the teacher, teacher is the third teacher. Some older brother also is looked upon as teacher. Even father-in-law also is looked upon as teacher. Janita, Chopanita, one who gives me the mantra, is the teacher. Yes, Chavidyam, one who teaches me also is teacher. So one who initiates the teacher, one who gives knowledge also is teacher. My father also is teacher. And then Agrajo, Bhrata, older, elder brother also is teacher. Because from them we learn. Even from the in-laws also. All these are teachers, meaning all of these are venerable people and we should show appropriate respect towards them. That is also part of the physical discipline. Cleanliness, doing action, performing actions meticulously. Self-control and non-violence. This is all part of the physical discipline or austerities at the level of body. <coughs> then Lord Krishna talks about the austerity at the level of speech. That's the 15th verse. Anudvegakaram vakyam Satyam Priyahitanchayata Swadhyaya Bhyasanam Chaiva Vangmayam Tapa Uchyate This is the austerity, the level of speech. Very beautiful verse. And it's a good idea if you want to start with austerities in our life. If it's a good idea to start with the speech. 
Speech is that with which we communicate. Speech can create good understanding or it can create misunderstanding. It can create friendship. It can create enmity or enmity also. This is in Mahabharata is well known. How words can cause such havoc. When Yudhishthira, the eldest of the Pandavas, was performing the Rajasu Yajna, at that time, this architect, his name was Mayadana, he was architect of the gods or architect of demons, he created a wonderful palace, in, uh, most modern palace and many other facilities were all created. And kings were invited from all over the world to participate in that big ceremony. Yudhishthira is the eldest of the Pandava. Of course, Duryodhana, the Kauravas, they were also invited. So Duryodhana comes into this big palace in which there are pools of water, there are very shining floors. So this architect had made the floors so beautiful, so shining that at the first sight it may look like this is water. In the pools of water were made so beautiful that at first sight it will look like this is a stone. So water looked like a firmament and what was firm looked like water. As Duryodhana enters this sabha, enters this court, he is confused. He confuses the solid floor for water and wants to avoid that. And he, what was water, he thought was solid floor, so he tried to walk over that and he fell into water. People are watching this. And Draupadi, the wife of Pandavas, she laughed. I think Pandavas also may have laughed, but she laughed. Not only did she laugh, but in humiliation, she said these words. Now it is very clear whose son you are. Because Duryodhana's father was blind, Dhritarashtra. Meaning you can't see. And so he was taunted. They say that this was the seed of the war of Mahabharata because he was so hurt. He was insulted in front of everybody. He was so hurt that he, he resolved in his mind to take the revenge. <coughs> That's the reason. Why when the Pandavas lost in the game of dice, Finally, Draupadi also was put as a bat and he is That is why Duryodhana made a sure to humiliate Draupadi before everybody. Because her words humiliated him and therefore he wanted to do something to humiliate her. I mean, this is how, not that you should do this. All I am saying is how words are so important. We should be very careful with what we say. And here Lord Krishna tells us, what are they? What we should look for? First of first rule, Lord Krishna says, Anudvega Karam Vakyam. A word or a statement that does not cause pain. Which does not hurt the feeling of others. This is called the austerity of speech. When my words do not hurt the feelings of others. 
थैंक यू स्वामी जी आई विल नॉट हर्ट फीलिंग आई विल प्लीज एवरीबडी से सत्यम वट यू से मस्ट बी ट्रूथफुल बिग थिंग वेरी डिमांडिंग थिंग बट लॉर्ड कृष्णा से इज आइडियल वट इज कॉल दस्टेरिटी ऑफ स्पीच वेन योर वर्ड डू नॉट हर्ट एनीबडी डू नॉट परटर्ब एनीबडी सेकेंडली योर वर्ड आर ट्रूथफुल ट्रूथफुल एज यू नो दैम टू बी मीनिंग दैट फर्स्ट ऑफ ऑल यू शुड नो वॉट द ट्रूथ इज देन अलोन यू शुड अटर यू मस्ट यू वेरीफाइड वेरासिटी ऑफ वॉट यू आर सेंग एंड यू मस्ट अटर द ट्रूथ in such a manner that the listener gets the same meaning which you know meaning that sometimes people speak truth also so cleverly that outwardly a person has spoken truth but it is so spoken that the fellow will misunderstand and will get a wrong meaning so truth not only in words but in the intention also that's how we must speak in such a manner that what i know is truth is what is conveyed to another person satyam but very often truth is spoken in a very bitter manner the lord krishna says priyam you should speak truth but at the same time speak in a pleasant manner priyam what is pleasant pleasant to hear when you are saying it the person who hears likes to hear that that is called priyam <coughs> hitam hitam is beneficial that as a result of your staying that it will create benefit to the listener <coughs> so these are the four things that lord krishna says we should look out or watch out or make sure that our speech has that our words are truthful number 2 they are spoken in pleasant manner number 3 we speak some truth only if it is necessary not otherwise hitam only if it is beneficial you should say something only if it is beneficial and it serves a purpose otherwise don't say as shankaracharya says natuvrata natuvrata vakyam samucharyatam we will not utter a single sentence which is unnecessary <coughs> this is that speaking involves a lot of energy and then you are wasting your energy by saying which do not are not necessary anudvegaram vakyam satyam priyahitam chayat swami ji if i follow all these rules i say what is only necessary and don't say if it is not necessary then most of things i don't have to say and then further say in a pleasant manner which is tough you say that i should speak truth and speak in pleasant manner swami ji's truth is always bitter but it is not truth which is bitter bitterness is in our mind and very often we use the occasion of speaking truth to only express our bitterness whatever is piled up inside i use the occasion of speaking truth merely to unleash my resentment or my bitterness He says no no speak truth also in a pleasant manner if you value speaking in pleasant manner i'm sure that your mind will discover a way of doing it if you value that no i want to be pleasant then the mind will discover a way of saying by which what you say is pleasant and do not cause do not cause pain to anybody in from what you say
if you follow all these rules and anything, about 90% of speech will be cut off. Swami, then what should I do? God has given me the mouth to speak. Where should I use it? So Lord Krishna has some suggestion in the second line. Swadhyaya bhyasanam chayva. You recite, you recite the Vedas, recite the scriptures, recite God's name. Swadhyaya means the Veda of one's own line, one's own branch. Abhyasanam, repetition. Repeating the Veda every day also is austerity of speech. By Veda we mean whatever you have learned, whatever religious lessons you have learned. Suppose you, Veda you did not learn, whatever shlokas you have learned. Vishnu Sarasanama you learned, Shiva Mahimna Stotras, some stotras you learned. Repeat them every day so that they retain in by you. And that also of course creates punya by the way. When you repeat Lord's name, or when you repeat a stotra or a hymn, or a prayer, it is conducive to creating punya, creating virtue, by which you also acquire the grace of God. It doesn't go waste. Swadhyaya bhisanam jeva vangmayam tapahuchyate. Lord Krishna says that this is the austerity at the level of speech. <coughs> okay, we'll continue tomorrow. Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyate Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashishyate Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Shri Guru Bhyo Namaha